I turned up at the golf club and I spoke to the general manager, Steve, and I said, Steve, how do I get to connect with other golfers in the golf club to arrange a game of golf? And his answer was perfect. Perfectly bad, but perfectly good. He said, Paul, take yourself in the car park. When you see somebody putting their bag in the car, don't speak to them because they finished. When you see them taking it out, go and have a word with them and ask if you can join them. And I thought, wow, mm. okay, we're paying 2,000, 3,000 pounds a year to be a member of a golf club. There has to be a better way for this to happen. So I ended up sitting down with Steve and I said to him, how do you communicate with your members at the golf club? And he said, we send out a weekly newsletter. We've got the notice boards everywhere. I walked through the bar two or three times. And I said, well, that's all communicating at. Hmm. The question I asked was, how do you communicate with? And it naturally led onto the conversation about social media. And as yeah. soon as I said, how do you function with social media? You could see his eyes glaze over. And I've <laughs> had this conversation a million times since. So what dawned on me was that if there was a place where the whole of the golf community, and I'm talking about from the top tier level, so from a touring pro right down to somebody picking up a golf club for the first time, who are like-minded people, could come to a place that was safe and relevant, would there be a space for that? So we created the first version of Clubface Golf. Welcome to the Mod Golf Podcast, where we speak with the entrepreneurs, the innovators, the influencers, and the disruptors who are shaping the future of golf. I'm your host, Colin Weston. Welcome to episode, gosh, this, I think we're up to 160, 170 now, season 14, six years in. And you know what? I still get excited every single time I have a new conversation. And today is no exception to that because I have on as a guest, I think someone now, I think we've been elevated to friend status. And that is Paul McKeldin. And Paul is, well, wears lots of different hats in golf and entrepreneurship and business and life. He is the co-founder of Club Face Golf, which I'm going to let him describe what it is, but I've been an active user on their platform. It is authentic. It is engaging. If you want to call it the, the Facebook for the golf community, I, I think it does way more than that, but uh, I'll let Paul extol the virtues of what they're doing with Club Face Golf. But before we dig into all that, Paul, welcome to the Mod Golf Podcast. Thank you, Colin. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well, sir. Back in Vancouver here, I had the pleasure of having you being our tour guide and host. Yes. My lovely wife, Mallory, and I were in France for a while, and then we popped up to London for a couple of days, and you were gracious enough to uh, take a train in and join us and, and show us some of the sites and buy us a pint and have a great chat. So it was great to see you in person after uh, years of COVID and everything else. Of Yeah, virtual is great, but uh, in person is even better better well it's the best it is well absolutely and and i I was i was just thinking about this the other day actually where we'd arranged to meet at st pancreas charing cross station and you were walking across and bear in mind this was on a saturday in the middle of the pride festival there were millions of people in the center of london and i spotted you from across the platform and and saw you and came bowling over to you so uh, yeah it was uh quite fortuitous but no it was a lovely day really nice to, to to meet you both in person yeah, likewise. And we, we thank you again for your generous and gracious hospitality. We really do appreciate that. And uh, yeah, I am pretty easy to spot people at the PGA show in Orlando can spot me because not that I'm super tall, but I'm six one. but it's the hair. It hasn't fallen out. It's still hanging in there. And it's part of the brand. I, I don't think I can ever cut it now. It's, you're uh, committed now. You're committed. Otherwise, I look like every other middle-aged white dude. So uh, <laughs> yeah, the hair is going to stay. If it falls out, it's all coming off. The beard will stay. I'm trying to look like uh, what I can imagine Tommy Fleetwood's dad would look like. Uh, that's the look I'm going for. What now? You don't want to go for that look. <laughs> well, I, I don't know his dad at all. Is his dad I'm sure he's not around. Oh, I don't know. Have I seen Tommy Fleetwood's dad? I don't know. Well, let's assume that you look like Tommy Fleetwood's dad. 
There we go. Well, let's say I'll, I'll just, hopefully as Tommy will look 20 years from now, I look like an older Tommy Fleetwood. We'll, we'll we stick with that. with that. <laughs> I got to go with that. So enough about me. So mm. let's bring it back to you. So I always like to ask this icebreaker question to get things rolling here, as you know, Paul, and that's your connectivity to golf. I know you play the game now and you're a member at your club in Kent, but it's all about the power of invitation. We all need, whether we grew up with golf or it was later in life. So tell us about your first ever golf experience and who invited you? Who who helped make that happen? Okay, so gosh, it's going back to when I was about 10 years old. My father was in the forces. We were based in Germany and on the barracks we were living in, there was a golf course and dad had never played before, but took it up. And my dad was a, a fanatical sportsman. So he was a British Army squash champion for a while, British Army snooker champion, whatever he turned his hand to, he did really well. But we had this dog, a uh, Jack Russell called Jip, that every time you opened the front door, it would escape and it would head straight for the golf course. <laughs> so there would be myself and my two brothers chasing after this dog, running around the golf course. So getting, getting used to that environment. But I remember dad asking me to caddy for him when I was uh, quite a young kid, carrying this bag around for 18 holes and, and just watching how much fun everybody was having and, and sort of camaraderie as well, you know, certainly in the forces environment. Yeah, and I think yeah. that was my first indication that, wow, this is something I want to do. But then when I got to 16 and I was living in the town that I live in now, and Midcane Golf Club is the, the premium golf club in this town. And it was an aspirational thing. And I've always been a super ambitious person, you know, to join this golf club meant you'd arrived in the town almost. Right. So that was a driver for me. So I learned at another local course with a guy called Larry Batchelor, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant coach. Yeah. So that took it from there. So I've been playing for a long, long time with big gaps in between. Nice. I've asked this question over a hundred times now, and that's the first time that a dog has come into play as being <laughs> one of the, one of the catalysts for your early golf career. So there you there go. We go. <laughs> There we go. So thank you, Jack Russell, for that one. Good stuff. Okay, so let's switch over to, I'm not going to get quite into club face golf yet, because of course, we all here on the podcast love that entrepreneurial journey, the ups and downs, and the backstory. So tell us kind of the early days. Tell us your background once you got out of school and out of uni, what you started doing. Were you in the golf industry or sports to begin, no. or what were you doing to help build up all of the uh, experience and curiosity for what you're doing now that's led to club face golf. So give, give us the background of what you did early in your career. Yeah. So early on, when I first left college, I really had no clear indication of where I wanted to go or, or what I wanted to do. So I was a chef for three years, which oh. at the ages of 18, 19 and 20, it's the most antisocial job you can have. You know, your work time is everybody else's fun time. So that quickly wore thin with me. And then I got into magazine publishing and worked on some catering magazines, worked on some electronics magazines, selling advertising and, and doing this sort of thing. But what became very apparent was that people were being more data-led than on the page-led. The whole industry was changing. We would have exhibitions and stuff like that. And 10 years ago, you would attend an exhibition. It would be a three-day event, one day catching up with everybody, going to visit the stands. Second day, probably having a big lunch and some beers and, and doing the whole networking thing and seeing your old friends. And the third day, recovering, trying to justify your time. <laughs> right. People weren't allowed to do that anymore. Businesses weren't allowing people to do that. You've got half a day to go there, go and do the business you need, then get back and do your job. So because things were becoming data-led, I, I sort of got pulled into the data industry and I set up my own data management bureau where we would clean databases, we would be able to break down databases into different sectors, et cetera. 
But the data industry, it, it's a very, very tough industry. It's so litigious. It's going to be so litigious and it's getting even more litigious. Right. So it was sort of something that, that I did as a stopgap. And then when my youngest son was born, I sort of always wanted to work for myself. I've never been a good working for somebody else type of guy. Just because I'm very flexible in how I work. We were talking when we met, I'll quite happily work till two o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. but then come into the office at 10. And I, I don't want to be accountable for that because I know when my best working times are. So the idea for Clubface Golf came about after I finished in the data company. And I was so fortunate, you know, my brother's an investor in the business and so is Roger and two or three other small investors in the business. And I had this idea for a long, long time. They were all saying to me, just do it, just go for it. Follow your convictions. You're you're talented in what you can do. You're you're so determined about this. We will back you. And, And I've been so blessed that for the last five years, that's exactly what they've done. Love it. Love it. So expand on that for our listeners. So give us the elevator pitch on Clubface Golf, what it is and why you do it and what the value is for this golf community. That is that is different than with all the golf groups that are on Facebook, for example, in those communities and what you're building. I, I truly love it. And the level of engagement I have is very high and it's I a lot of fun. And people are on there because they love golf. They yeah. play, they're in the industry or they just they love everything about it. So tell us about that. Okay, so, so let me go back to right at the very start on what really triggered the idea. And it's when I joined this golf club in Kent. It was Wednesday afternoon. All my friends who work in the city were out at work and I had the afternoon off. And I turned up at the golf club and I spoke to the general manager, Steve. And I said, Steve, how do I get to connect with other golfers in the golf club to arrange a game of golf? And his answer was perfect, but perfectly bad, but perfectly good. He said, Paul, take yourself in the car park. When you see somebody putting their bag in the car, don't speak to them because they finished. When you see them taking it out, go and have a word with them and ask if you can join them. And I thought, wow, mm. okay, we're paying 2,000, 3,000 pounds a year, whatever it might be, to be a member of a golf club. There has to be a better way for this to happen. So I ended up sitting down with Steve for about two hours and having a general conversation about communication. And I said to him, how do you communicate with your members at the golf club? And he said, we send out a weekly newsletter. We've got the notice boards everywhere. I walked through the bar two or three times. And I said, well, that's all communicating at. Mm. The question I asked was, how do you communicate with? And it naturally led onto the conversation about social media. And as soon as I said, how do you function with social media? You could see his eyes glaze over. And I've had this conversation a million times since. And you speak to golf club managers. And as soon as you mention, mention social media, and it's something they feel they have to do. They're not sure why they're doing and what they're trying to achieve from it. Right. They feel they have to have a presence. The problem with that being is typically golf club managers are very, very busy people. And they're now trying to keep up with Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok, Threads, the, the new one. You know, There are so many. Because if you go into any golf club and you say to the members, what social media you're on. Half of them aren't on any, simply mm-hmm. because the demographic doesn't suit a social media user. Right. 20% will be on LinkedIn because they're, it's a professional network. A few will be on Facebook because they need to remember birthdays, deaths, marriages, etc. A few will be on Twitter because they're gluttons for punishment. <laughs> um, <laughs> I say that, with, you know, I, I'm on Twitter. I'm an active user on Twitter, but it serves its purpose and it has its downfalls. So what dawned on me was that if there was a place where the whole of the golf community, and I'm talking about from the top tier level, so from a touring pro right down to somebody picking up a golf club for the first time, who are like-minded people, could come to a place that was safe and relevant, would there be a space for that? So we created the first version of Clubface Golf, which I'm not sure if you recall it. It was a green version. I took advice from some developers offshore. They suggested I create a WordPress site and 
we did all of this. We spent two years developing this. What they didn't tell me was with a WordPress site and any amount of plugins, if you get any volume of users, the user experience is awful. Right. So we invested some time and a lot of money in our beta site, in inverted commas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I call it a beta site. It was never intended to be a beta site, but to justify to the investors, it was a beta site. Right. And then COVID came along. COVID had a real impact on the golf community. Although there were lots of parts of the world where you could still play golf, it was frowned upon. And golf clubs were really cautious about how they managed people on the course. We all know golf is a true passion. When it's in your blood, when it bites you, you've got it. So -hmm. if you're not playing it, you're often talking about it. So what people were doing was looking for avenues of where they could talk. In month two of COVID, we had 3 million page impressions up from about 70,000 before COVID. Wow. And the site was just awful. The user experience was nothing to be proud of. And we were getting loads of feedback saying, listen, the idea is great, but you're failing at this. Your application of it is not great. And we've always been able to take stuff on the chin and, you know, accept criticism. And however, I then had to go and have a conversation with, with my investors and say, listen, you know, everything we've done today has been great, but it's not working. I need some more money. And in fairness to them, they went, Paul, we can see the concept is sound. We can see it's working. We can see the numbers. Just go and do it. So, and that led to where we are today. So these guys, I don't want to spend this whole podcast thanking them and congratulating them, but I have to acknowledge it. So you did a complete rebuild then to where you are now, which sometimes that's what you need to do. And yeah, especially with WordPress, like you said, it it certainly taps out very quickly there. In entrepreneurship, we talk about this a lot on on the ModGolf podcast. You can't go alone. It can be a lonely journey sometimes, but you actually need those partners. You need the advisors. You need the support. And to have not just investors, but aligned investors. And it's more than just the money. I still hear this to this day is, just take the money. And I'm like, no, don't just take the money. Mm-hmm. I know that may be easier said than done, but if the investors don't buy into what you're doing in the vision and support you in so many other ways, whether that's through advice or whether that's through other introductions and plugging you into their network, all you're getting is money and your chances of success is even lower than what you're experiencing right now. And you're off the ground and I know you're still uh, swinging for the fences and climbing mountains there, but I can see you're well underway with Clubface Golf. So congratulations yeah. on on that. It's great. Thank you. Thank you. So just go, go back to the product if, that, if that's okay. Sure. And, yeah. I was having a chat with somebody yesterday and I said, if you go on to, let's say, let's take Facebook as an example. And there are, I think the last time I checked on Google, there were 3.69 million golf groups on Facebook. Okay, so there's a massive audience on Facebook, but if you wanted to get the whole of the conversation, you'd spend all your time bouncing around groups and going from here, there and everywhere. And it sort of made sense to bring all those groups into one place. The way we've done this is we've separated the different sections of the site into people, which are our users, our golfers, groups, you can create a group on there, clubs and businesses. Everything for me is about communication and how we can better communicate. For instance, with the clubs, you can follow a club on Clubface Golf as either a member or as a guest. And mm. the reason we've done that is I get invited to play at a lot of golf clubs. And when I go into the pro shop, the pro will say to me, oh, can you just sign in here? So he'll give me a ledger and it'll ask for my name, my email address, my car registration, my time in, my time out, and sometimes my home club. But quite often, I'm in such a rush to get to the first tee and just get out there and playing and right. practicing clubs. What I write down is illegible. And that's not really fair on the golf club because how do they then have the opportunity to follow up that my experience to say, did you have a great time? What could we do to bring you back again? We're having a membership push or whatever it might be because they don't have my contact details. So what you can do is follow a club on Clubface Golf as a guest. Now, when the club posts on their page, 
they can post their content to guests only, to members only, or to all. So they can really target their messaging with their posts. We understand that typically golf clubs are employing people to do their social media now. So there's a cost attached to doing social media. And we want to reward the clubs for doing it. So on the club pages, we have what's called the member business cards. Mm -hmm. So if you join a club as a member, let's say, for instance, you're an electrician, you can add your business to the member business directory. So you'll put in your company name, a short description, and what field you work in. Then anybody on that page can type in electrician and all the electricians will come up. We allow 16 members a day to upgrade that to a premium business for £3.50 a day. And with that, they get their logo, their website address, their telephone number, and they'll be shown between the posts within the feed. So it's almost like sponsoring a hole, but always being inside someone's pocket. What we do with that revenue is we give 50% of that revenue each year back to the club. So the clubs earn from doing what they're doing for free on generic social networks. Nice. So yeah, you're that facilitator that is on the back end, just making it all happen for them. Rather than A, you don't know how to do it. B, don't have the resources. Yeah, A and B. (laughs) And you're solving the problem for them. We are now going to take a short break to thank our sponsor partner, Golf Genius Software, for helping support the Mod Golf Podcast. Golf Genius powers tournament management at over 10,000 private clubs, public courses, resorts, golf associations, and tours in over 60 countries. So if you're a golf professional or course operator who wants to save time, deliver exceptional golf experiences, and generate more revenue, check them out online at www.golfgenius.com. So yeah, as far as your business model, I know myself being on there. So I'm as a member, just as a golfer, so it's free for anybody to join. So for you right now, the business model, where do you see the opportunities? What have you learned over the last couple of years? Because as the more you do, the more insights and the validation and the conversations you're having to see what perhaps originally what you thought would be the revenue stream and then saying, well, no, that didn't quite resonate or to tweak that a little bit. So as you grow here, where do you see the real opportunities for not only you to to scale this up and make it Mm -hmm. more profitable and generate more revenue, but also for everybody that's using it between the members like myself and the clubs and the professionals and the businesses? That's a really good point because for a general user, for somebody who's just a hack it and whack it golfer, general content is a fun conversation to have, but it's becoming more and more apparent that people who have become content creators, they're putting work and time and effort into what they're putting in to entertain the audience that they're building on any of these platforms. So the way we're going to be monetizing content We're adding two channels, so it'll be a video channel, very much like YouTube. You can have your own video channel. People can subscribe. They can follow. They'll be able to gift a coffee. They'll be able to do stuff like that. And the same for podcasts. So there'll be a podcast channel as well. So people will only have to come to one place to get all of their golf content and their different types of golf content. That being said, one thing I'm really clear to people is we don't believe that we are an alternative to these social networks. We believe we're an addition to Mm -hmm. People have spent a lot of time building audiences on these other places. But I remember a study being done some years ago of a PGA Tour golfer. I probably won't name him, but they looked at his account. And let's say he had 100,000 followers on his account. All his content was about golf, but he had a blue tick at the time. And it it transpired that 36% of the people that were following him had no interest in golf whatsoever. They had an interest in following people with blue ticks in the vain hope that they would get retweeted or what have you one day. That will never happen here. We're really, really, really strong on moderation. If you come on, we had one today. Some guy came on, signed up. His first post was about, if you want a loan, come here, X, Y, Z. We just deleted him off the platform. He was never going to be there to talk about golf. He was clearly there to sell a product. 
we take it as a compliment. You see us as having a big enough audience that you want to try your luck, but we're really strong on moderation. And that then leads me to the, the other point that we don't tolerate any misogyny, racism, anything that, that is nasty, we don't tolerate on the platform. Users can report posts and our moderators will look at the post, but we have moderators constantly checking content. This isn't to say that we don't want you to have vigorous debate. We want you to really, you know, LIV and PGA at the moment, you know, with what went on in the Senate, there's so much discussion to be had around that. Yes. And have that vigorous debate. But do it in a way that if we were to stand together face to face, what I'm going to say to you online, I would say to you face to face. If you don't have the courage to do it, then don't write it. No, I, and I've been on long enough. I can see how you are monitoring and, and curating that content. And one thing you said to me when we got together for a beer is I was suggesting a couple of things. Well, why don't you try this and try that? You said, well, that will then be us trying to socially engineer or position the conversations. And that's something from day one that you've been very authentic about and very vigilant and passionate about is you want to be on the sidelines. Yes, you'll moderate, Mm -hmm. but you do not want to influence. No. So I I get sent press releases every day and I speak to these PR agencies and say, look, I'm giving you the platform. If you want to post that press release, go ahead and do it. We're not going to do it for you. I've been asked my views on LIV, and my views are irrelevant. Ask the people on Clubface Golf what their views are. They're the views you want. We're very strong on that. We we don't want to influence the discussion. We want to give a platform where that discussion can happen openly and safely. Yes, yes. You're obviously based in London, so in the UK. So I'm assuming that at the beginning, or even still perhaps, the biggest audience you have is based in the UK, but you're now all over the world. So tell us about the demographics of, of your audience, of what you can tell, how many signups you have, what you have as far as active users, whatever you can tell us. I know some of the stuff people want to keep secret, but I know there's been exponential growth on this. So I'm also curious to see the diversity piece and how you proactively if able to reach out and connect with women or other organizations around women's golf to get to get more gender equality, to get the conversation So it isn't to be blunt about it, not a whole room full of middle-aged white guys like me and you. Absolutely. We're very transparent with our numbers. We feel if you feel like you've got something to hide, you've got something to hide. We haven't. So our numbers at the moment, I'll give you the last 30 days up till July the 9th. On the platform, there was 1,065,435 sessions from 927,000 users who viewed 2.289 million pages. Wow. So the numbers are growing. Our bounce rate's 41.58%, which compared to industry publications is massively low. It's so, so low. Our biggest market, oddly, is the US. So 25.98% of our users are from the US, 10.55% from the UK, 9.14% from Spain, 4.84% from Italy, and then France, Germany, India, Canada. It's global. We've got users all over the world. A lot of the the growth is organic. We were talking when, when we met you know, the next stage for us as a business is to go out and seek third-party investment to give it the real drive that we need. As you know, our business model is Club Facebook Limited is the holding company. Mm-hmm. Each of the verticals, and I'll explain the verticals very quickly if that's okay. So Clubface Golf is a limited company, is a vertical in its own right. And then we've just launched Clubface Cricket. Next comes Clubface Football, Clubface Gyms. And the beauty of this is, is if you're registered on Clubface Golf, You wouldn't then re-register on any of these other verticals. You would use your same login details, which would create an account for you, but you could have a new bio, new profile picture on any one of those verticals. You sign up once and then you can join any of the other verticals at your leisure. Got it, got it. Well, you just half answered my next question and that is to scale this. So you've done a couple of versions now of Clubface Golf, as we say in kind of early stage 
companies and as a founder, first you want to nail it and then you scale it. So everything that you've learned, I'm assuming you could now take Clubface Golf or you have with Clubface Cricket and what you're going to be doing in football is you just basically taken the code and you just repurposed probably like 95% of that and just tweaked it because it works. Now that oh, you've actually, nice, gone nice. through yeah. the pain and the cost and the agony of getting it to this stage. And I see this as being so smart because myself being involved, not just in golf, but in sport and sport entertainment. I know full well that as far as the fan base around the world, the most popular sports, football is by far number one and cricket is number two. So for you to tap into those two sports and these massive, rabid fan bases that are global, it makes complete sense for you to expand into those two sport realms. Absolutely. And, and, and the beauty of this business is it doesn't necessarily just have to remain in sport either. It could be in any mass participation market. So mm -hmm. I was blessed to be in India last month to work with the cricket and some of the golf stuff. And somebody approached me and asked if we would do a club face health and well-being. And it got me thinking, well, of course we would. So do we then franchise this out to markets? So let's say, for instance, hypothetically, the NFL approaches and say, are you doing one for American football? Right. And we say to them, look, if you can guarantee 250,000 people onto the platform, we will do that. Because there'll be crossover, the dynamic crossover in some of the other platforms as well. So there's multifaceted benefits. The model is really, really clever. And I, I probably shouldn't say that because it's my model. But whenever we explain this model to VCs and what have you, they just, they go, yeah, 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 we get it. That makes a lot of sense. Because what you can actually do is you can launch in multiple markets and just pull it out of markets where it doesn't have any level of success. Right, right. And like you said with Clubface, you're in, I think you had mentioned in over 50 or 60 countries now, if not more. Uh, more, yeah. Um, well, Google seems to make up its own countries. I thought there were 205 countries in the world. Google say there are 217 or something. Oh, there's 12 new ones. All right. Yeah, <laughs> so, the Google countries. But yeah, it, we, we've over the last 12 months, we've touched pretty much all of them. Even just if somebody's viewed a post on social media, we've been able to recognize that we've touched most countries in the world. And I know even in Africa, just to segue here for a second, in Uganda with Isaiah yeah. and what he's doing with the Golf Academy there. And I'm going to have him on the podcast in the next couple of weeks too, because that story is it's fantastic. Inspiring. But so for you, it's just not about getting out there and hitting balls or your last round, even though that's great to tell those stories and share that with people, but also that social impact piece. And I know that you've really been uh, an ambassador and supporter of everything that Isaiah is doing with, uh, with growing golf in, in Uganda and that whole social impact piece with the platform. And I know you're just getting going on that, but I think that's really exciting that you have the opportunity to use your platform for change and for good and for impact. Uh, Isaiah inspires me because you know a lot of the conversation when he talks about golf is is how it develops young people and certainly young people in underprivileged environments and it makes them more rounded people prepared to face the challenges they're going to face in life and he's such a an advocate for how the etiquette and the discipline of golf can shape young human beings and i couldn't agree with him more i love that message so much mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. oh it's, it's great so people that are listening out there and there's thinking, oh, I've never heard of this club face golf thing. So let's say someone, a persona, and I, sh I don't know if you work with your developers and with your design team as far as developing personas, as far as users and, and you know what their likes are and the whole demographic piece that is for software development. And we know for user experience, that's the way we do yep. it or the way they used to do it anyway, a little less now. Let's say for a woman out there that's played golf for a few years and plays, let's say 20 times a year with her friends, loves the social aspect more than the actual score. Speak to her. What's the virtue yeah. of her and encouraging her friends to come on the platform? Yeah. Okay. Well, we've done some work. We sponsor a couple of caddies on the LET and one on the LPGA 
too often businesses will claim that they're there to grow the game of golf when actually what they're there to build their own business. And, and, and that, that isn't a bad thing, but they use this growing the game of golf tagline right. as, a, as a virtue signal, if you like. Mm. And actually, we really, truly are. I've been shown some messages that the girls on the LET have received that are just quite frankly, if it was your daughter who'd received these messages to hold yourself back from doing something about it would be particularly difficult. I have two young children, two young boys, and I have two young nieces. And everything we've done about designing this platform, I've always had in the back of my mind, would I feel comfortable with them being on here? Mm. And the answer has to be yes, every time. So like I said before, we, we wouldn't accept any form of misogyny. If you're laughing and joking with someone, that conversation happens because we also don't want what's become the thought police. But if somebody was to report something to us that happened that they found distasteful, we take everything seriously, but balanced. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? It, you know, absolutely. I know there's... So, no, so yeah. for ladies who want to come on, we have a lot of ladies on the platform. I, I, I would suggest probably about 15% of our registered users are females, which isn't high, but actually in the proportion of the golf world, it's massive. We've never had any complaints from anybody yet that they felt uncomfortable or unsafe on the platform. Got it. Got it. That's great. And women are much better of socializing and (laughs) tending their garden, if you will, with their friends than us men are. Uh, I think you and I even talked about this. We're getting a little bit better, but uh, most men, and I have lots of friends and they're terrible at it, right? Next thing you know, you're alone on the weekend watching the game in your basement. And so rather than get out there and, and connect with people. So with that, with the groups that you have, and I've created a mod golf group, but I really haven't cultivated that yet. So I'm just kind of curious as far as the groups, have women gravitated more towards creating groups for other golf women more than maybe skewing even more disproportionately higher than a lot of men? I'm just kind of throwing it out there. I'm just curious because I know- It's an interesting point. I'm not sure that they've done it anymore, but I think there are more private groups that invite. So you can create two types of groups, create a public group where anybody can join or you can create a private group where people have to ask to join and the moderators can say yes or no. If women are looking for a safe, or if anybody's looking for a safe space where they want their, their group of friends to be able to communicate, you just create a private group and you decide who's in that group or not. I'm not sure that they've created any more or they seem to be creating any more groups. I just think they're more creative and clever about how they're creating the groups. Gotcha, gotcha. So flipping over to kind of the business to business side here, we have a lot of listeners on the podcast that are in the golf industry, a lot of golf course owners, managers, operators. So here's your chance to speak to them. If Tell them what the value proposition, again, you touched on it earlier, but for them to get on the platform, to get their course, especially ones I'm in Canada here and also in the US. Yeah, tell us about the value prop and, and what you're offering and why they should get on the platform with Clubface Golf. Yeah, you'll hear me bang this drum so much. It's about communication, communication, communication. I always believe that engaged members of golf clubs are retained members. And by that, I mean, if they feel that they're part of the decision-making process of what's going on in the club, they sort of buy in to being a member a bit longer. So let's assume your club has 900 members and you engage your members in decision-making. And just by doing that engagement, you can get another three months out of every single one of those members for the lifetime of their membership, say. Well, 900 times three months is a lot of revenue into your club. Mm-hmm. But there are other features on the site. So we, we have something called a play request. Now, the way play request works is, let's say, for instance, there's a private members club down the road from where I, I live and I want to play it, but I don't know anybody who's a member, which means I'm never getting invited. We wanted to flip that on itself a bit. So you can go into Clubface Golf, click play request. You put in some details. You put your name, your age, your gender, when you're available to play, specific dates if you want, or you could say Monday, Wednesday, and a Saturday in the morning. 
you post that and that will go on that club page saying Paul McKeldon, a male age, 45 to 55, plays off 16, is available on a Monday morning. Would you like to invite him to play at the club? So it's asking to be invited where, where you wouldn't be able to do that traditionally. Yes. We also have the post a game feature. I, you know, quite often when I'm on generic social networks, I'll randomly see somebody saying, oh, I've got four ball booked at Mid-Kent Golf Club tomorrow. Somebody's dropped out. Does anyone want to join us? But there was no consistency in that. You only find that by chance. So there's a button on there called post a game. So if you're looking for people to join your game, you put where you're playing, how many people you're looking for, the date and time, and then you can put some further information, how much it's going to cost. And that will post on your timeline as a standard post every time. So everyone will then know what to look out for to go, ah, there's a game that's happening that I want to join. You can even do it if you're organizing a golf day, because you can do up to, say you're looking for up to 10 people. So there's lots of little features on there that you wouldn't have on generic social networks that are specific to the golf. Absolutely. And what's your success rate been on that with being able to fill that fourth person in a tea time? We can only see what happens then is the dialogue happens. You start chatting, you post a comment and what have you. So we don't track it again. It's something else people are saying, you should try and earn revenue from that. We don't want to earn revenue from the platform as such. It's an advertising led platform. That's the way we want to keep it. There are lots of companies out there that will claim to be a social network for golf, but what they're actually trying to do is sell you tea times or sell you uh, golf travel or golf reviews. And what I say, they're e-commerce platforms with a communication element attached. We are absolutely 100% solely a communication platform. When we talk, we, we had discussions with a golf OEM about investing into club face golf. We pulled out of the conversations because we said it wouldn't be right for us as a business to have somebody who owns a product as a part owner of this platform, because there would be a bias or an implied bias yes. and, and we didn't want to go down there. So it was a tough conversation to have. Like every, every young business, we needed the money, but it would go completely against the philosophy of what we are as a business. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Because when we talked about this, like there is value in exclusivity. Yeah. You can charge a premium for that and people want that to be in the, in their sector and be the only ones. But like you said, that flies against what you want to be as far as that agnostic platform that is open to everybody. And then it becomes a bit, really? Yeah. If, if, if Facebook owned a tour operating company, right? why would other tour operating companies want to advertise their services on Facebook knowing that they're going to be supplying revenue? to their competitor. It just, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. It doesn't. Okay. So to finish up here, no, you're a good storyteller. So (laughs) share a couple of, you talked about the the numbers and the data-driven feedback you've had, but let's talk, let's be more qualitative about this Mm -hmm. as far as a couple of stories that you've got back of people sending you notes or what you've read that just puts a smile on your face that people, maybe they were lapsed golfers or they're just new to the game and your platform with Clubface Golf has helped turbocharge their love for golf mm-hmm. and maybe they've met some new best friends or yeah, t- tell us one or two quick stories here that make you smile. So we, we have um, one guy who whose wife passed away. He, he was an older guy, nomadic golfer. He wasn't a member of a golf club. I'm not sure that he ever played with his wife, but he had a lot more confidence when his wife was around. And I know that he he's sort of in the position now where he's organizing at least one game of golf a month through Clubface Golf and expanding his network of people. We know that people have gone on holidays through Clubface Golf. That always that always really cheers me up. Yeah. Do you know what one of the best ones? Like I say, I was in India last month with a guy called Avin Jane, who's on the platform. I met him entirely through Clubface Golf. I met you two weeks ago. 
that was all through Clubface Golf. So it's really, as a community, it's, it's definitely bringing people together. When you look at the platform as a whole, golfers, unless they're traveling, are secular within their, their golf club economy. They think they know everyone within that golf club, but actually they don't. They turn up on a Wednesday morning, they'll play their four ball, they'll sit around together and acknowledge and nod at people all day long, but they don't know everyone in that, in that sphere around yeah. them. This gives them the opportunity to do that because the sad reality, and, and, and it sounds a bit contradictory in light of the business we have, the sad reality we live in today, people are much more engaging online than they are in person. But if this can be the nucleus to start that relationship, the next time you see them in the golf club, go and stand and have a beer with them. Have a real life relationship and then continue on, on Clubface Golf. So we know lots of that goes on. I know uh, Steve Rutter, who, who's one of the guys. He, in fact, he's the guy we now sponsor on the LPGA. He's made loads of relationships and professional relationships through the platform. So, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's doing what it's intended to do. Love it. Love it. Okay, so to finish up here, all of our listeners out there that are now curious and like, oh, this Clubface Golf. I need to sign up or I need to want to get on this platform. So let everybody know the easiest way that they can find you and they can sign up both on for desktop and even more importantly on, on their mobile device to become part of the Clubface Golf community. Okay, so so the name is clubface-golf.com. So clubface-golf.com. It's a really simple registration process. First name, last name, email address, choose a username. This is really important, actually, for businesses out there at the moment. As the platform's growing, we don't secure anyone's username. So if you want the username at ModGolf, which I know you've already got at Colin ModGolf, but if you wanted the username at ModGolf, we won't secure that for you. You need to come and register it. If right. somebody else chooses to register a brand name, it's first come, first serve. Put your username in and, and that's it. That, that's your account created. If you then want to add your business, it's a really simple navigation process. One of the things we, we looked at when we were setting this business up was how complicated Facebook had become. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure as a business whether we should have a page, a group, a business or what it was or whether we were after likes or followers or it just became so complicated. We've kept this really simple. Okay, so just add your business. If you want to find products and services, use the search bar at the top. If you want to find your golf club, use the search bar at the top. We recommend people for you to follow based on who's most proactive, who's local to you geographically. We don't track your content to show you posts. Everything is just done in the order it's posted or reacted to. We don't have complicated algorithms for that, and we never intend to either. So yeah, go to clubface-golf.com or download clubface-golf on the App Store or the Google Play Store or the iOS App Store. There we go. And as I always do in the show notes, I will include the links to that so people don't need to feverishly write all that down while we're talking here it will all be in there just for you it's just one click away so i do encourage everyone to check out what paul and his team have created for really as an authentic engaging platform for people that love golf which i do you do and if you're listening to this podcast you probably do too so uh, so check that out because paul is uh to say my friend you're a great human i know we shared some personal stories also i know you've been through a lot and your why and your purpose for what you're doing here is really inspiring to me so uh that's very kind thank you colin i appreciate that so uh hey just to finish up paul thanks so much for joining me and our audience today on the mod golf podcast i've enjoyed the conversation me too thank you colin so that's a wrap for this episode of the mod golf podcast 
If you enjoyed this conversation about entrepreneurship in the golf industry, you can find more compelling episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you like to listen in. And don't forget to subscribe to the show on our homepage to hear about upcoming episodes and to enter our latest golf product giveaway. I'm your host, Colin Weston. Thanks very much for joining me. Bye for now.